Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I got bills. I got to pay. So I'm going to work, work, work every day. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast, a podcast from parents to parents to help us teach the next generation about money. Now, today's podcast is brought to you by Wasabi Rabbit. Wasabi Rabbit is a veteran-owned digital marketing agency that provides brand campaign and user experience transformations that accelerate business growth. For more information, you can go to wasabirabbit.com. And with me as always, Kim Mustin, a co-host, Wall Street executive, mom, fellow passionate supporter of financial education. Welcome, Kim. Great to be back here. Sorry I missed everyone last week. Um, Really excited for today's guest. You know, we talk a lot on the podcast about uh, teaching our kids about the will and the importance of saving. And I love this company's tagline, uh, invest with confidence. And I, you know, company that's been around since 1937, a lot of great investment capabilities, and now this new report, which I'm really interested to dig into. Yes, very interesting. So let's get right to our guest, Roger Young, a senior financial planner with T. Rowe Price. You just did this really interesting survey about kids and money, and the bottom line, Roger, is that parents are likely to pass down money habits to their kids, good and bad, right? That's absolutely right. Yes, it's uh, it's not destiny, but it is uh, is certainly a trend we found, and we'd like to give some people some thoughts on on how to avoid that problem if you don't have great habits, or to uh, continue doing the right thing if you do have good sure, habits. Never too late to learn. So the first thing I want to do is just tell me about the methodology of it. I always like when we do these studies to know how many people you talk to and just how the survey was done. So we did the survey in January, uh, a little over 1,000 parents and 1,000 kids, one kid per parent. Uh, the kids were, were ages 8 to 14, so we view that as, as a good age to be teaching kids about money before, before it's too late, uh, before their, their habits are ingrained. You know, everything we talk about in the, in the release of the, the study is significant. What, what were some of the most significant, th- what was the biggest aha, if there was one, that you found in the results of the, of the study? So to me, the most interesting thing was some of the results around bankruptcy. We asked a little bit more on that topic than we had in previous surveys. Um, it was fascinating to me the difference in results if parents told their kids about their bankruptcy or didn't tell them about their bankruptcy. So of the people who had gone through bankruptcy and told their kids about them, 68% of those kids say that they consider themselves very smart or extremely smart about money. 
in the group where the parents didn't tell them, that number is only 30%. Wow. So that's a, a pretty dramatic contrast in the confidence level of those kids. That is really interesting. And it really goes to show that the more you talk about things, good and bad, the better it is for the children. Yes. And, and we're not necessarily saying you need to, you know, on a monthly basis, go through your balance sheet and, and budget uh, or, or have, you know, completely full disclosure. But there needs to be some some level of involvement and, and conversation, and, and historically that is always shown in the survey that it helps the kids. I noticed from the um, one of the things from the study was that that the more opportunity that kids have to practice and with managing money, the more comfortable they are. Can you just talk a little bit more about? that specific finding and anything that you are doing with your own clients that uh, might be helpful to our audience? Sure. We found that uh, the yes, uh, letting your kids have some control over their money was, was one of the three big uh, you know, takeaways from the survey and one of the, the three big things that you can do to help your kids have better outcomes. Uh, one of the things I particularly liked was that Kids who have more opportunity to control their own money don't spend their money as soon as they get it to nearly the same extent as the, the kids who, uh, who have less control. Funny uh, how that happens. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and it's, it's interesting because you would think uh, you know, if, if you don't have as much control, you, you can't necessarily spend, uh, spend the money as soon as, as you get it. Um, but but that's, uh, that's the trend we're seeing. Um, We also see that the kids who have some control are much more honest with their parents. Um, 49% of of those kids who say they don't have a lot of control have lied to their parents about what they spend their money on. And I guess part of that is that when they do get the chance, they're sneaky about it. Uh, If the kids have more control, uh, only 29% have lied to their parents. Still not a great number, but considerably lower than, than the 49%. We also found that the kids who, uh, who, d- who don't have control over their money as much uh, tend to expect their parents to buy them what they want to a much greater extent. So when would you say that habits are best formed for children and how they handle money? Well, we, we certainly think that that 8 to 14 range where we do the survey is an appropriate range uh, for kids to be answering questions about money. So, so at that point... They should have already learned something that, um, you know, that when their parents are, are out buying things or going to the ATM or going to a bank, uh, that, that the kids are starting to pick up on the concept of money. So obviously, sooner than that, there are, there are reasonable things to be, uh, to be conveying. And it, we have a website, moneyconfidentkids.com. Uh, that give parents a lot of great ideas on, on how to have those conversations, what type of topics are, are appropriate at, at various ages. So parents can go there and they can learn some tips and some strategies. Yeah, we have tips for parents. We have tips for educators. Uh, we also have games for kids. Uh, you know, it's, it's a star type of theme. So, uh, you know, it's intending to be as, as fun as we can make a, uh, you know, an educational game about, uh, about money. Um, and, and we found that, that that's, uh, that's gotten good reception. What about um, some of those bad money habits? What, what are some of the things that you've seen where, um, you know, as I think about your kids lying to you about what they've spent money on, that doesn't 
afford you the opportunity to try to counsel them on how they could not make that mistake in the future, help them unwind maybe whatever they um, got themselves into, which could create this downward spiral and, you know, send them off into adulthood with, with a lot of debt and things like that. What other compounding effects of bad money habits have you seen? And um, can you talk about some of the tips that you have for parents to be able to have those kind of conversations and with their kids and to try to open up? Because that, that's got to be kind of difficult for kids to, you know, if they have not been honest, to really open up the kimono and say, I've really made a big mistake and I'm in a lot of financial debt and now I need you to bail me out. Certainly honesty is is a big recurring theme throughout our, our survey and so that it goes both ways the the parents being upfront about their situation as well as the the kids being honest about their mistakes uh, so yeah you bring up a very good point there in terms of some of the habits that we see with with parents and kids one of the the tough ones is credit card debt which you you alluded to um, Parents who have significant amounts of credit card debt are much more likely to see kids who are dishonest, who are spending their money immediately, who expect more from their parents, uh, who who end up having issues themselves. One thing that, that I found in the survey that, that has always surprised me is that there's a significant uh, population out there of, of kids who have credit cards as kids. Um, in, in this latest survey, 18% was the number. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe some of those kids are actually have debit cards and, and think they're credit cards. But um, in, in any event, that's that's a that's a number that that's somewhat unsettling. And when we we talk about uh, you know letting your kids make mistakes, it's a whole lot easier to let them make mistakes if you're dealing with currency or a debit card where you're you know the, the damage is limited to the balance. Uh, with a credit card, obviously, there's there's a whole lot more potential problem there. Now, um, Roger, a lot of parents are still reluctant to discuss money with kids. I mean, why do you think that is? Why is there a barrier that we just don't feel comfortable talking about this subject with our children? It's interesting. There, I think there's there's a you know perhaps a bit of a societal taboo that we don't ask people what we make. We don't ask other people, you know, about you know how much they have in the bank. And so we, we certainly don't want our kids to be money fanatics or, you know, rude to other people about it. Uh, within a family, though, certainly our, our survey has always shown that, that some level of openness uh, pays, pays off down the road. Um, and again, I think it, it's, it's a matter of having money conversations uh, more than it is, you know, full disclosure. We, we talk in... Uh, in our survey about some of the things that are frequent topics that you can discuss with your kids that are relatively easier than these kind of big picture, uh, you know, life, life changing type of discussions. You can talk to your kids about what a budget should be when you're going on back to school shopping for clothes. You can figure out with them how much they saved by buying items on sale instead of full price. Now, one that I like with with our kids is is having them help me calculate the tip at a restaurant. Mm. Um, you know, you can you can have a conversation if you physically go into a bank. Um, you know, there are obviously bigger conversations about you know cost of college as the kids get older and 
um, you know, why we didn't take a bigger vacation, you know, in terms of the priorities of the family. Uh, but we like to say that, you know, kids having conversations with your kids on a weekly basis really shows up a, as a, a marker for success. And again, those weekly conversations don't need to be, um, you know, the biggest things in the world. They can just be as, as you see opportunities in day-to-day life. Yeah, there's really actually a lot of real-life opportunities to discuss if we just kind of seize the opportunity and talk to them about it. Yeah, I, you know, one thing that I saw in the study too, Roger, was that, and I've, I've talked about this, so I will harp on it one more time. It is incredibly important for every single person to have a financial plan. Whether you write it down yourself or you buy a book and you like self-educate yourself, which I think is growing increasingly hard to do, you have a robo-advisor or a, a, a trusted financial advisor. I was really surprised that of the survey um, respondents that only 54% of them had a financial advisor. Can you talk about the importance of involving your kids in your financial planning conversations with your financial advisor and when and how you try to, to execute that in your practice? Well, that, that's an interesting topic. That, um, that does get closer to kind of the full disclosure that we're, we're talking about. And I certainly think that's a more appropriate conversation as, you get, as your kids get towards adulthood. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a right or wrong answer there. But starting to have those conversations uh, involving a planner would be appropriate, especially as, as you're mm-hmm. thinking about college for your kids, uh, because that's, that's a time mm-hmm. when you're talking about making a major investment financially, and you want your kids to understand that you know, it's not a blank check, that, that there is a budget that has to go with, uh, with that decision. And it's like, a, like all financial topics, there's a trade-off involved. Um, you know, we're, if, if you choose to go to a more expensive school, that could mean more debt. Uh, you know, that could, that could be difficult if you don't end up finishing your degree. And, and we're seeing increasingly in society that that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, as, as your kids start formulating their own plans as young adults, you know, it's helpful to give them some idea of how your plan fits in with that. Uh, you know, kids have a, have a reasonable right to know, you know, am I going to be counted on to support you in, in old age or is there, you know, on the flip side, some, some chance of a, uh, uh, you know, getting some inheritance that, that could help down the road or, or do we just not know yet? Uh, that's certainly a, a, the, the state of a lot of people. Um, so yeah, the, the kids eight to 14, I wouldn't say necessarily are the age where you should be including them. In the, in the conversation with an advisor, but letting them know that you have an advisor probably makes sense and that that, that person is a resource to them uh, later in life. One other interesting thing from the survey that uh, people may not have uh, picked up on is that, you know, while you, you were surprised that only about half of the people had financial advisors, when we asked them who do they rely on for, uh, for advice, Financial advisors actually is a much lower number than the fifty percent. Uh, so, so they have them and aren't necessarily thinking of them or using them uh, to the extent they should. So, so yes, that is that is something that, that was a bit of a surprise to us. Now you mentioned Roger eight to fourteen. So I'm thinking those kids that are eight right now, and I know this because I have a daughter who will turn eight in May. Who 
I got my positive pregnancy test the weekend that Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> so she's going she's gonna to be reading all of those books someday in the future. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, of course, went through a very difficult time. Job losses, foreclosures, um, just really painful time. And those kids are now getting to the age where some of those parents can share those stories with them. How would you recommend that parents do that? I, you know, I think making it personal, making it real life to them. And, and I'll give you my, my you know, personal experiences that my kids are a little bit older, uh, but they certainly were affected by uh, the, the 2008 decline. I, I worked for a company at that point that uh, uh, sold products largely tied to the housing industry. And so it was a difficult time for that company and, uh, and had an impact on, on our personal situation. Now, I wasn't necessarily giving them a blow-by-blow blow at that point, uh, but they understand how that's affected our, our trade-offs going forward and how that's affected you know, what's saved for college and, and how we go through those decisions. Um, so yes, I think it, it certainly makes sense to, to bring it home in terms of, of the impact on, on the family and, and the trade-offs. And again, without necessarily uh, you know, pulling out the balance sheet, but, uh, but to, to give them a sense that, that, yes, these are real things that happen to real people and you need to have some, some level of uh, you know, backup plan in life to, to handle the, the tough times that, that will come from, uh, from time to time in the markets. Roger, you've given us so many great things. This study is packed full of great statistics, and the website has so many great tips on it. So I want to just uh, call that out again, moneyconfidentkids.com. Uh, so please take a, a look for our listeners to go out and uh, get some great tips. As we conclude here today, maybe can you just give like your top three pieces of advice for parents who are really trying to materially move the dial um, that is so sorely needed with so many kids in this country today as we our financial literacy scores are at just you know horrible levels. How what are the three things that you would sort of say that parents should be doing and the three big things that need to be avoided? I think you know the, the three top tips would be, you know, as, as we've been talking about, talk to your kids about money regularly. Uh, to, to the extent you can. Uh, second, let them have some control over how they spend their money. And third, kids pick up on what you do. So, so try to be careful with your own behaviors uh, and model good behaviors the best you can. You know, that's, that's a tough thing, uh, and, and that's probably the, the toughest of, of the three of those. Um, and, and in terms of those things to avoid, you know, to me, the credit card debt is, is a big one, uh, both for you and, and your kids. Um, I'd also like to mention, you know, another organization that, that I've been involved with and Tiro Price is a big supporter of, which is Junior Achievement. Uh, if you have access to JA programs, uh, those are a good way to, to teach your kids about, about money at, at various stages of, of their education. Yeah, and of course, the money, moneyconfidentkids.com, we, we think, is another great resource. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go there, too. And JA is wonderful. I wish there was more of it in New York. I'm going to have to look at that and maybe try to figure out how to get them active. But thank you so much, Roger, for joining us today and sharing all this wonderful information and tips for parents and helping us teach the next generation some good financial habits. 
Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And today's podcast brought to you by Wasabi Rabbit. Wasabi Rabbit is a veteran-owned digital marketing agency. It provides brand campaign and user experience transformations that accelerate business growth. For more information, you can go to wasabirabbit.com. And thank you for listening today. We hope that uh, we gave you some great tips. We always welcome your comments and suggestions. Hashtag Kids Kaching on all the socials. And we'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria algae body oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.